And this episode of ArcaSpeak is brought to you by Arcat, and the time has come for your firm to begin gathering product and material information for its next project. Let's say you're tasked with finding the top gas fireplace manufacturers, and they need to have CAD, BIM, and specifications. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a search engine that showed you who has the data you need? There is, and it's rcat.com. Search for a product or even a CSI section and get a list of Northern American manufacturers and the data they offer. Even better, you can download all that technical data for free. You don't even have to register to use RCAT. Save your firm time, money, and frustration and go to RCAT.com. And thanks for RCAT for sponsoring this episode of ArcaSpeak. Welcome to ArcaSpeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture. Welcome to episode 146 of the ArcaSpeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And hey, to kick off this episode, we want to reach back to a couple episodes ago and give you a little bit of update on some construction project that Evan had going on. How, how did the uh, concrete pour go? Yeah, a little follow-up on that. So it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, but it, it, it turned out really cool, I have to say. I'm pretty excited about it. I did post, I think, one picture of it on uh, on Instagram. So if you go back through my feed, you might see it. But um, it it... So it's concrete's a tough thing. It's obviously an art. I a lot of people probably take that for granted, but it is one of those things that man, like it's a it's a craft. I'll I'll say so. When I did luckily come to my senses like a few days before and had some guys who knew what they were doing come help out, and uh, one of the guys we were about halfway done, and I said, "So how long you been doing this?" He's like, "My whole life." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's Whoa. when I kind of knew I was in good hands. He's like, my dad did it, my grandfather did it, and now I'm doing it. And his son was standing right there next to him learning how to do it as well. Nice. So it was definitely like a family thing. They were perfectionists about it. But I I have to say, like, it's the type of concrete that I was using was super high strength, 9,700 PSI, has a lot of fiberglass in it because it's poured so thin. I mean, at the at the thickest locations, it was only an inch thick. So... It had a fiberglass mesh in it, but then it also had fiberglass in the the mix itself. So no aggregate. I was planning on on renting a mixer and doing it that way. And luckily, I had this guy come ahead of time. He's like, "You can't use a mixer. There's no aggregate. There's no way it'll tumble. It'll just clod up and and just be a giant mess. And you would I would have wasted all of it, all the material. So it turned out to be a, a really you know kind of serendipitous thing. I'm, I'm super lucky that this happened. That I that I was talking about this with my my friend Mark and he said I know a guy and I okay send him over because I was super nervous about it just not having done it in so long and then and not only that but it was a custom mix and so anyway long story short it it turned out amazing it took exactly as much as I had ordered which was also a very stressful moment realizing that there may not be enough for a short period of time you know when you're mixing tint in with the concrete and you you'll never get the same color so it's not like something you can just kind of do halfway and then make it match up when you when you add some a few weeks later. So 
you could see how it would turn into a giant problem. But anyway, we, we, we made it work. We made it go as far as it needed to go. And <laughs> this was a few weeks ago, right? So we're actually still working on the concrete countertops. Obviously, it takes quite a bit of time for the concrete to cure. And then we have to, we're in the process of sealing it now. So my wife and I did a, a coat of sealer last night. We're trying to kind of darken it up still. It, it cured quite a bit lighter than we had hoped for. And this is just one of those things where you don't necessarily get what you imagine in your head when you think about what this thing's going to look like because it's very organic, right? It's one of those things where, you know, it depends on how you work it and how you finish it and what tools you use and how you mix it and all those different things. And so when it when it finally comes out, like it it's unique. It's one of those things where you don't have a ton of control over the exact look in the end obviously if you if you do this as your day job every single day you probably know a lot better than i did but it cured very light compared to what we were hoping for even with all the tint we put in and it ended up curing to a lightness that we were trying to obviously get get something darker so we're trying to stain it or well not stain it we're trying to seal it with a, a darkening stain and then we're gonna hmm. do that a couple coats to just kind of get it a, a little bit darker but other than that we're super happy the finish is amazing the forms were awesome i really would recommend the stuff if you ever are looking to do concrete countertops it is a really good system and the company is called countertopsolutions.com i believe is the website but their their brand name is z concrete countertops i think they have the letter z in front of it for some reason i guess they wanted to be at the end of the <laughs> the alphabet for some reason pretty cool stuff i mean the the forms are are really slick they're these kind of it's a one piece plastic form but it has a break built into it so you snap them off afterward and they come off really clean the edges just look amazing we're really happy with it they're nice and thin they look really good and now we're just kind of trying to finish up we've got all the drawers in the kitchen now we've been working on that and it is amazing how much effort it takes to to build a kitchen, like just to drill every single panel for every single pole and all of the knobs and on all the doors and put in all the hinges and just everything is just a, a giant effort. So we're still living in this construction zone. Were you going to expect any less though? I know, right? I mean, it's <laughs> just, oh, just think about how much money you're saving. I know. <laughs> and then you're just like, <laughs> but the time. I just want it over with. Yeah. Now people know why people pay for somebody else to do it because it's the time. Yeah. So you have fiberglass reinforced. Right. Do you have any fibers like kind of poking up out of the concrete or? Nope. No. We sanded it actually. So, and we're going to, every coat of sealer we put on it, we actually continue to sand it a little bit and just get it super smooth. So um, the sanding just took all that off. There was a little bit. You could see it when we were finishing the concrete. Some of those fibers would work their way up to the surface, and they would right. just kind of brush off. But overall, you don't see any of it at all in the end. Yeah, we had for the um, topping slab in our the the bridge project that I was doing. That it was fiberglass reinforced, and you know, a lot of them would work their way to the surface, or you know, just be exposed. And so it just looked like five o'clock shadow concrete. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuzzy concrete. It's, it's interesting because when you seal it, it brings out the imperfections in air quotes. I mean, because that's, I mean, the concrete is something you work by hand, right? It's not a natural project product. It's not a synthetic product. It is completely something that you have to work and do yourself by hand. And so 
you see different things kind of coming out of it at the more that you you mess with it. And so I think that's just one of the things that my wife and I have actually come to really like about it is how unpredictable and just how neat it looks. I mean, it really does look like it was something that was handcrafted. And that's good. I don't know anybody else with concrete countertops, you know. So I, to me, it feels unique and it feels like kind of special. So I, I'm I'm glad we're still happy with it because if it would be really difficult to redo this, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that I would do it again. We'll see. It is something that when you see it, you're like, oh man, that looks awesome. I I want those, but at the same time, I know how much effort went into it. So I might I might do it if I if it was outside. Because that would be a lot less stressful to me. Something that if you if you got a backyard and you're doing a patio and you want a counter back there or you want some kind of special thing, I, I think I would feel better about doing it outside. But not that there was anything kind of catastrophic. But but you're setting it on top of very expensive cabinetry, and if you have to tear it out for any reason, it's it's going to be so expensive inside of a kitchen. So I don't know. I don't know if I would do it again. I'm I'm sure later on down the road I'll just remember the good stuff about this and I, I'll forget all the bad stuff. But it was one of those things where it was really stressful in the moment. I'm glad it's over. Awesome. So put a period on the end of that. <laughs> Before we leave that subject, I'm curious. You said you couldn't mix it the way you were intending. How did you end up mixing so it? So in a paddle, one bag at a time, in a bucket, five-gallon bucket. Oof. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so while there were at least two of us because we were mixing in the bucket with a giant drill, you know, you got to have some horsepower behind that thing with the big paddle and pouring in the the concrete mix and the water and the tint and mixing it all in a bucket and then other people are in and you know you're shuttling it into the kitchen pouring it into the counter they're starting to work it and finish it and get it all in the right place and you have to go out and do it again 13 times for this kitchen so wow it was like over and over and over and and by the end by the very last bag we got it right it poured in perfectly that last bag but and it's so funny because again concrete is is one of those things where it depends on the climate that you're in and it depends on the conditions that day and how cold your water and all these things all these variables Mm -hmm. and and by the very last bag by the 13th bag i think i really feel like we nailed it and it's so funny because man it was like right at the very end at the very beginning it was still a dry mix and in the end you really can't tell like where we started versus where we ended. But I can tell versus based on how much just labor I had to put in after it had started to cure and we were working it and and sanding it and all that kind of stuff later on. At the end, I, there's barely anything I had to do, but but all the way back to the beginning, I had to do quite a bit of work. So there's no like wow. issues with the tinting, you know, as you were you pretty consistent? We were super consistent with the measurements, yeah. It was more of just like the wa- the amount of water in the mix. So the color variation is very minimal. I mean, you can't you can't tell at all. But because we had the same amount of tint everywhere, but just the amount of like little voids and stuff here and there that I've gone back and patched, um, right. it was zero in the very last bag. But but as you progressively worked back to the very beginning, if you look through the counter, you can see where I had to do more and more filling because it just was it was way drier when we started off because that was that's kind of normal concrete work you know you, you you're always surprised I think the first time you ever pour concrete by how dry the mix is but the goal with this particular mix because it's so high strength and you need to get it into the fiberglass mesh and worked into the form perfectly it was a really liquidy mix and it should have been like that from the beginning but we were inexperienced with this particular mix so. Even the guys I hired had just never worked with this exact product before. Wow. But, yeah, live and learn. That's how it works. 
I'm glad I wasn't doing it. Like, like my friend Mark said, he said, it's a good thing you were experimenting on yourself and not your client, right? <laughs> because it's one thing to do it to yourself. It's one thing to, to say, yes, it's going to look like this and, and then have it turn out differently to a client. So, yeah. Right. Well, then now you, if you ever do it for a client, they can hire you. We'll nail it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we you'll want, it. right? Yeah, exactly. No, I'll take a break from doing this for a while. <laughs> One and done. I need a break from construction in general for a while, especially since this last week I blew out a tendon in my calf, and I'm just like totally, I'm, I'm just hobbling around in a in a boot now and and crutches for a couple of days. So it's really hard to do construction when you are, you know, disabled. It's no good. I don't recommend it. Yeah, that sounds painful. Yeah. Yes, it is. One of the things we want to talk about in this episode is something of a beginnings of an annual tradition a little bit here. We talk a little bit about our summer vacations, and I think most of us are, kids are out of school now, and we're leaning into summer here. So I, I'm curious, Evan, how, how is your injury, or if it will be repaired in time to uh, to do your summer vacation, and, and what, are you, what are you planning this summer? I think I'll be good. Actually, luckily, the tendon that I blew out um, is a useless tendon, I guess, is how you could describe it. It's the one that they use to repair other tendons in your body. They will harvest oh. from this one. So while it was painful and while I could not walk, um, now I, I'm getting a lot better pretty fast. So It doesn't sound very useless <laughs> if you're walking around <laughs> yeah. in pain. It's, it's, it has minimal disadvantages if if it doesn't work. So let's just put it that way. Um, luckily... Also, my oldest son got his driver's license officially in the last hey. couple of weeks. So, nice. because of that, um, I have a chauffeur. So, I've I've been using that resource this last few days, and that's been fantastic. So, he got to uh, he got to drive to his very first party the other night, and I was definitely worried about that. But he's he's good, and now he got to shuttle me around quite a bit because of this. So, I cannot drive; it is my right leg and. So I, I definitely need him. I don't think it's going to impact my summer vacation. I'm not leaving for a couple more weeks, and I think that I'll be fine by then. I'm definitely already making huge progress in the last few days, but um, I'll still be wearing the boot for for a day or two. But anyway, we're going to do another road trip, as we do, kind of every summer. And let's see. Actually, we didn't do it last summer because my wife and I went to Scandinavia. But this summer, as if, as in a couple of years ago, we we've done Yellowstone. We've done Colorado. We're going to do Colorado again but way farther north in Colorado versus where we've been previously. So we're going all the way up to Boulder, and uh, it's going to be a huge you know, two-week-long road trip again. And this time, the only thing that I've done so far is just kind of plan out all the stops on the way, but I haven't, I'm not really keen on planning activities and stuff. We just know that there's a lot of things we want to hit on the way. And once we get up there, we're going to be there for a little over a week, and then we're going to hit some more stuff on the way back. We're going to go a different route. So kind of making a loop out of it as much as we can. But we're going to leave, you know, mid-July and hottest part of the year to go through Utah. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go back through Zion, which is where my wife and I were married. And, you know, we, we tried it. We've been back two or three times since then, but we love to get back in there and, and go hike the Narrows and stuff. And then uh, go up through Bryce. And it's cool. This time I have doing a lot of Airbnb type stuff on this trip. And I found this place called the Zion Shanty hmm. and I'll let you guys know how it turns out, but it, it's a trailer that's parked way on the upper rim of Zion and it sleeps 
eight people, I think, and we've got seven in our crew this year, so we've got a big, big tr- crew going. It's got these decks built around it, and it's got a fire pit, and it's just kind of out in the middle of beautiful, you know, Utah up in the mountains. So it's lots of trees up in the, the top of Zion, and uh, that's going to be pretty. How cool. do you find this stuff? Yeah, Airbnb is pretty awesome. There's that's okay. What's cool about it is there's weird stuff on there, uh, and to me, like this is just perfect because. I mean, and the the hosts are what make it awesome, right? They're really communicative. They've got all the stuff there that you need. And with us, you know, we really need places with kitchens because when you have that many people, you can't afford to eat out all the time. Right. So we're trying to, you know, still keep it on budget. So we just, I just got lucky. I, fa- I don't know how I found it, but I found it. And uh, you kind of start looking for dates and locations and how many people and tell them what you want. And, and they pop up recommendations. And obviously stuff that has good reviews floats to the top. So mm-hmm. this place has awesome reviews. The person has already sent me like a full custom hand-drawn map how to get there and all this, you know, where the local grocery stores are. And there, what's kind of cool about Airbnb, I don't know, you know, lots of people know about Airbnb, but it's the the hosts of these places typically go out of their way to make sure that you have access to everything that you need and they obviously know that you're not a local there so if you go stay in a hotel you can go downstairs maybe and ask a concierge well that's basically what the host has to act as and so they've already sent all this stuff over email and started to communicate you know this is two plus weeks into the future so it's pretty cool so after we go to Zion for a couple of days, we're going to go up through Bryce and up through Capitol Reef National Park. So we're hitting three national parks on the way up and then into southern Colorado and driving up to Boulder. We're going to spend a ton of time in Boulder. And my son got a fly fishing rod for Christmas from my mom. Nice. So he's uh, he's so excited about that. And so, of course, I had to get one too, right, <laughs> so that I could do that with him. And we're we're excited to do something new. I've never fly fished in my life. We took a class and we did a casting class, so that was kind of cool. And uh, we watched a river run through it, so we're ready to go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we know what we're doing. Okay, no, uh, I have a feeling. So it's watch out be for the bears. Then huge learn. Yeah, it's going to be a huge learning experience. And then uh, everybody else has to suffer through that while we fish. And then um, as we come back down, we're going to veer off and go through Arches National Park and Moab and. Um, Canyonlands National Park, and then end up in Sedona for a couple days. Nice. And do Slide Rock National uh, Slide Slide Rock State Park, which we've done before, where you kind of slide on your butt down the natural water slides and stuff. It's super cool. So it's a it's a huge road trip adventure as we as we try to do and give our kids a big appreciation for the outdoors as we're raising them. So, how long are you guys going to be out? It's two plus weeks, so a little two bit more than two weeks. Two plus weeks of insanity in the car. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Luckily, you know, we've got a week of break in the middle right there. So, and and I really tried to break it up. I mean, and I and there's no camping. We're not taking any camping gear. We just did Yosemite a few weeks ago, and we're not going to do that again for a while. And it's really hot. So I made sure we got places to stay, and I'm hoping that it's not, I'm not overdoing it, but I tend to overdo it. So we'll... We'll see how it turns out. We get the report when it's over. You'll hear it here first. All right. <laughs> Look forward to some pretty cool site photos I'm sure will be uh, seen, posted. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that for sure. I mean, I posted a lot of images from New York and before that. And it, so when I went to Yosemite, I just used, I like stuck to my iPhone 
And then when I went to New York, I barely took any iPhone pictures. It was all yeah. my my nice camera, and uh, and I think I'm just going to do more of that, more more nice camera, maybe more video, a lot more video. I just want to capture the kids. You know, they're all adolescents and they're all kind of crazy, so it'll be fun to catch capture a lot of that on video this time. So how many times he stepped into oncoming traffic to get those shots in New York? Well, thanks for protecting me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is that right? <laughs> Well, that's typical New York, though, right? Everybody just steps. I looked both ways, walked out, yeah, stood in Mill Street to get some shots for sure. But that is New York, yeah. So, are you going to go with the black and white theme for this one as well? No, so that might be kind of an interesting topic sometime. I'm going to I want to do a talk at HMC about that because we have these morning uh, architects. They're not actually called architects, but they're called architects, and uh, it's a Monday morning kind of presentation slash you know get together design kind of talk and stuff but i i wanted to talk about and show that trip as as a example of this but just constraints Mm -hmm. in whatever creative process you're after so you know we always work with constraints in architecture so i thought it would be fun to talk about the constraints that i applied toward my photography in new york so cormac you were there you saw what i was doing i mean it was Mm -hmm. like i was looking through the viewfinder I decided I'm going to shoot wide angle and I'm going to shoot black and white. And with those two constraints came quite a bit of, you know, creative. Oh yeah. I I mean, it was, it was, I'm going to look at this differently than I would normally. It's like, I wasn't there to document what I was seeing. I was there to make a statement about what I was seeing. And I felt like it was really freeing creatively. I mean, if you look through my Instagram at some of the photos, I mean, I totally cheated. They're not iPhone photos on on Instagram. I was pulling them off my camera, but it was like you you don't see the Oculus in that way. I mean, that's one thing I love about. I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's one of those things I love about photography is is that yes, you could just document what you see in everyday life, but what I love about photography is that it can capture things that you can't see, and so. It's not the way that you perceive the world. That's what I love about time-lapse photography. It's what I love about show s- slow shutter speeds. It's what I love about black and white. It's not how you see things. And so it gives you kind of a creative avenue to pursue telling a story about the way that you see something that's way different than than reality. So, I mean, obviously a lot of photography is based on how you actually see things. But I think one of the neatest things about creative photography is that you can capture a moment that you can always go back to that is not how anybody saw it. And it may be not from an angle anybody has seen it, and it, but typically it is. You know, everybody goes and shoots the Oculus in the exact same spot, right? right. Or everybody shoots yeah, which, whatever whatever the landmark is from the exact same thing. But So how can I try to tell that story in a different way that somebody hasn't seen? And so I used black and white, but I also tried to use creative angles, and I have a wide-angle lens that totally distorts stuff. Um, it wasn't like fisheye, but it was wide angle. So I think that that was kind of a, a neat topic. And so that was a little tangent there. Maybe maybe in the future we could talk more about that. But that, that would be kind of fun. You took some great shots. I'm looking at them now. So Yeah, thanks, man. It was yeah, fun. it was. <clears throat> so, you know, he's taking his shots and Brett and I are there and we're taking our shots. And they're, you know, roughly the same vantage point, viewpoint and everything else. And I'm looking at his and I'm looking at mine and looking back at his and I'm just like, I'm going to stop taking pictures because <laughs> like, I'm just going to take all those. I was just like, Hey, uh, so when you're done going through them all, 
can you just like curate a few and hand them over to me? And <laughs> actually, actually, I already asked him. I was just like, because he's wall worthy photos for sure. Oh yeah, that came out of there. Some that he hasn't even posted. Yeah, I knew when I took them. Oh, that's going to be a good one. And I, you know, it's it's like hitting that hole in one in golf where you just feel like holy crap and then all the other ones all the other thousand hear- shots that you take suck right but there's the one so did you neil did you hear him struggle on he's like what sports analogy can i, I, I shot use? the basket <laughs> i got the whole one yeah. <laughs> he's struggling there that's okay we'll, we'll let him pass on i that. kicked the home run is that right <laughs> <laughs> I was sportsing when I tore my calf tendon. <laughs> See, that's what you get. Yeah, don't do that. So what are you guys doing this summer? Cormac, you're about to... When we go live, I will have returned. As soon as you... As yeah. you, you, you did the breaks, now you're, ready, now you're safe and ready to go. Uh, yeah, I spent the entire day either taking trips back and forth, getting to uh, you know advanced auto parts to get... All of my breaks done correctly, except for one. Thanks, GM. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, in the nice, uh, 105 heat, it was, uh, I think this morning, um, the humidity was 91. Jeez, like, what's going on over there? Because <laughs> when we were in New York, it was perfect. Oh, it was absolutely perfect weather. I mean, I don't really think that I was, I mean, we did a lot of walking. And I don't think I sweat one bit. No, it was perfect. Yeah, t-shirt weather and great. And now you're dying. Dying. I mean, it was 105 with uh, 91% humidity, and it felt all of that. I mean, I was I we've got a carport, and I pulled the truck underneath, and so we started on the sh- the shade side, and then as the sun moved over, we moved to the other side and. We're in shade. So we, we staggered ourselves and, you know, it's, it, it was fine, but yeah, we, uh, you know, cause we've got a shorter, um, like just we're leaving tomorrow, actually tomorrow morning. Um, and we're heading to Michigan as we commonly do, but, the um, annual pilgrimage. Well, this isn't typical. I mean, this is actually the time when, my wife and kids go, but I don't go. Oh, that's right. And um, since I still have so much PTO from last year that I need to use up um, or lose it, thankfully I took it all and, and submitted it so that it still technically falls under the um, the rollover period. And nice. so I'm, uh, you know, just taking the week off and we're going to um, head out. Head up to Michigan, but what we'll, you know, we are going to actually do some camping, um, in Northern Michigan and we've been debating because it's a short trip. We've been debating on whether or not we want to drive up through the, um, upper peninsula and kind of down through Wisconsin and hit Chicago and then, you know, on our way out. Or if we just, you know, spend the time there, cause now that we've hit the halfway mark of this year, and I finally used up my um, PTO from last year. Now I can actually start using my PTO for this year before I roll wow. up, roll that over. So, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, 
but you know we do have another uh, trip planned at the other so we're kind of staggering our summer trip but the uh i mean not as interesting um of a trip as yours um i think ours is really going to be more about trying to we've got a couple of colleges that we want to stop and do a tour of so that's oh man can you believe that's here this yeah this summer is going to be the summer of touring colleges um I wish he would be a little bit more proactive and I mean he knows what he wants to study he's just not been very proactive in looking for schools that he wants to study it at so you want to study something now where exactly are you going to do so that can you give us some hints I don't know. What do you he think? Know, like, yeah. no. I was like, okay, so what do I think? The cheapest place? <laughs> You're going to community college. A viable option. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. In fact, we got a really good community college here. So, uh, I, you know, if, if, if he just decides to go there, that's great. I mean, we, we don't know yet. But we're going to hit a couple as, on our way out. We'll, we've... We're going to hit two in Pennsylvania. We're going to hit one, weirdly enough, in Ohio, which apparently I haven't talked bad bad about Ohio enough to for him to... <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> He's like, boy, we're from Michigan. I thought that you knew. <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't do Ohio. No, actually, he, he wants to look at a Miami University. So we're going to stop there. And we're going to do two in Michigan. Wow. And then probably we will do a Southern tour later in the year. I've convinced him to at least throw me a bone and go and tour Auburn. What about California, man? You're leaving Neil and I. He's got to come out here and visit us so that you (laughs) have a reason to come out here and visit us. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, one of the... Uh, was it Claremont McKenna? Yeah. That's right that's one of the ones. Yeah, I know. It's Come like on. it's like right down the street from you. <laughs> Let's do it. That's one that he had brought up. Actually, the one that he really wants to go to, which didn't, didn't think my uh, vacation trip was going to talk about colleges, but yeah. the one that he, he, he wants to go to, I'm getting the name of it wrong, but basically it's American College in Dublin. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And so well, you go go back go back home, right? Yeah. I was cool. just like, you know what? I'm I'm totally okay with that. And no, it's not Dublin, Ohio. <laughs> You're on board. <laughs> but I was, I was I was like, I'm okay with that. However, he's like, Oh yeah, it's it's really cheap too. It's only uh ten thousand. I'm like, Well, that's really not that bad. It's it's cheap. No. It's oh. ten thousand euros, but it's only for tuition. He didn't realize that apparently people who live it <laughs> need room and board too, and that's twenty. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, but it's thirty thousand euros. Yeah, which is like yeah. I'm like fifty mm, or sixty. Like congr- No, is actually, no, no, it's not. It's it isn't. Uh, we it. Right now, the dollar is pretty strong with the euro. At least as I looked at it, it's probably about 37. Mm. It's surprisingly strong right now. So 
1.17. Oh, wow. So there you go. To the dollars. Yeah. It's almost one to one. Which is weird because it hadn't been like that for, you know, yeah. when it yeah, first came out. My uninformed guess came from. Yeah. Um, no, but so, uh, yeah, that, that's what we're, that's our summer is this summer is going to be vacationing in college towns. Do they serve Guinness in every class? <laughs> he, he wouldn't, I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, for you. <laughs> that, that's yeah. more for you, Cormac. Well, I'll, just, I'll just do the tour. I'm like, all right, so you're, you're good, Pub right? crawl through each class. Yeah. <laughs> Hub crawls. So he'll be Those he'll be great. looking at the college curriculum, and you'll be wandering around looking at all the different buildings for each college and judging them that way. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heaven help if there's one from Calatrava there. <laughs> <laughs> I've got problems. Oh. You got you got some hate for Calatrava? Is that it? I won't call it hate. I have some. No, we we, we would just we'll we'll leave that for later strong feelings some, oh no i like i like this we should go here a little <laughs> i have we don't have enough time yeah you don't have enough time this is an hour long show uh, <laughs> well by my count we got another 30 minutes so we're, we're good on time right now <laughs> um but i was looking forward to your trip neil <laughs> oh my trip's really simple and easy uh, that that's rather boring so no well you know i've gone to a few and for the money, now, let me preface this by, when you walk... <laughs> let's preface this where, right. where to send the hate mail to. No. Yes. First, <laughs> Neil. At arcaspeakpodcast.com. <laughs> when you walk up to him, sure, there's the wow effect. Sure, there's okay. the, oh, wow, this is amazing. And that's usually, for me, where it stops. And where my experience in the PM comes out of me and I'm just like, wow, it, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit on the, la- on the, uh, the one show, um, 144, right. Where here's this $4 billion project. Sorry. I said that out loud. Like 90, 90% of that's got to be in the ground, right? Yeah, in the shopping mall. <laughs> Thanks, you teed that one up pretty easily. Yeah, but yeah, sure. It, it's in the. I mean, you said it best, Evan. Is that it had just standard doors? It was just. It had really shitty. Let's um, see you do better, Mister. It had really crappy weld, you know, marks. It looked like the the um the. Sp- what do we call them? Spires? They're not really spires. I mean, spines, porcupine tentacles. I don't know. What the hell do we call those things? What does he call those things that show up on every single one of his buildings? Thingies. Okay. So the thingies, the thingies look like they were poorly welded on there. And it was just, you're $4 billion. It's hard to find a good body shop. And you have YKK front doors. Nothing against YKK front doors, but I'd expect more. I, I would expect custom doors okay, or something. All right. So just hold on. I mean, not every single project Four has every single detail. Is, I, I get it, but there's more to this structure. It didn't cost $4 billion just to do this 
his piece at the top, right? If you're going to, sp- I mean, there's an entire transit center below that probably you mean shopping mall, whatever cost. There's an entire shopping mall with a couple of like, you know, with an overabundance. Remember that, Evan, when we're looking down in the uh, the transit center and there's just like at least a thousand turnstiles. Yes, that was, <laughs> was just like, all the stairs. It was like completely empty. <laughs> and it was like. There were many stairs. Yeah, many, many stairs. It looked like an Escher. Yes, it did. And it was tons and tons of turnstiles and. Anyway, I mean, all right. I don't, so, all right, I don't so know. You don't like the one project. Do you not like all of his projects? Okay, I don't. I've like only the, been to one other one. How about the? How about this? Okay. I don't like the three that I've been at. Is that I mean, which other ones easy? did you go to? You Milwaukee. I've I've been to Milwaukee and I've been to the one in Florida. <laughs> Is Milwaukee the one you're saying has like it always has like the one thingy that doesn't quite. Yeah, stay in sync with the other thingies, and just yeah, so a so that broken the, finger, the automated thingies, um, which is funny because that was the same problem that f- the one the Florida, um, the university at, in Florida, the new one, and and like yeah, Florida Polytechnic. I, I watched a video and I was just like, I can't believe they put this on the video. They should have at least maybe edited that part out or or something. But you know, they're showing it on a video that I was watching and the, all of the thingies didn't come up at the same time. And I was like, I know this is not intentional because you've got like two like stray just ones. just documenting <laughs> real life, man. Two stray ones that are coming up and you're just like, wow, that's weird. How is that any different than any other building we do though? You're always, you're always disappointed in something. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, sure. And I think my biggest problem with it just to, go step back a little bit is the four billion dollars for something that yeah our, the the choir loves to to sing about but i don't think that it it's not helping humanity in any kind of way that four billion dollars could is that his fault though well you you don't is have it his fault that yeah. the transit center costs four billion if somebody dollars? came to me with a four billion dollar project man that's a that's a good question that'd be sure would be fun but well but Neil, let's look at the history of the budget and how many times, you know, probably not 100% his fault, but think about how many times that budget escalated from the initial $500 million that it was supposed to be. So if you're starting at $500 million and you end up at $4 billion, times higher. Come on. You know, there's a huge homeless population in New York. Uh, yeah. Not that, the, not that the developer of the Westfield Mall is going to want to do anything about that. I mean, they did do those little ledges on, you know, on the outside. The bench the, around the outside. Yeah, the benches. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's those like, are homeless unfriendly in some way. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's cops trolling that place 24-7, so no, it's not going to... Anyway, really, did we want to talk about... <laughs> That no, deal. I just just wanted to take a moment. It's a little sidebar, a little of, taste right there of where the hatred was coming from. It's not. It honestly, I don't even know if it's hatred. I think it's a lot more disappointment than it is hatred. I mean, every single one of the projects that I look at, again, the wow factor's there. You know, so it's like when you look at something from 
you know, like a mile away. I was like, oh, wow, that looks interesting. And the closer and closer you get, you're like, mm, nah, it's not as interesting as I thought it was. And that's honestly how I, you know, and I try to. Um, I don't love how you go into this thing and you, you enter it from each end and you never actually get to experience the, the big space. Like you just experience it from the bottom and you get to. Yeah. Yeah. Contrast that with, with the Guggenheim, which is built when, you know, it where you actually go all the way to the top and experience it all the way down and, and you spend time in there. And, and to me, it's like, it's kind of a drive-by, you know, the, the Oculus is kind of a drive-by. And, and I will swear to you, and I don't care if anybody has any proof otherwise, but the medallion on the floor in the rotunda walking into the Guggenheim, if he did not copy that medallion for the Oculus... It is so damn coincidental then. You need to put a picture of that in the show notes. Uh, I will. Side by side with that. Everyone has to, everyone who's listening, take a look at this photo and then look at Calatrava's Oculus and you be the judge. You will never unsee. (laughs) (laughs) Because we, we walked into the, uh, we, we went to the Oculus first. This was like a year, year and a half ago, a year ago, whatever it was when I visited with my family. And we, so the Oculus was finally open. You know, I'd been there a couple of times, you know, prior to that. It had never been open and it was never quite finished. And and so and we went to the Oculus first. And then we ultimately ended up at the Guggenheim. And right when I walked through the door, um, you know, I, I noticed this big, huge brass medallion. Like, that's cool. And I looked down and I'm like, what the sweet Lord. <laughs> I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, there is, this is too coincidental see frank predicted the future right there almost an exact replica the view that you get that most people take of the oculus in that medallion are almost a one-for-one copy it's like there's no way I need to see this oh photo. i will be, yes i'm gonna send them to you when i get to my phone which is not anywhere near me but yeah uh We'll put them in the show notes because it's just uncanny. It and that's not a that's not an argument for you know my disappointment or anything else. It's just that's just every time I look at it now, that's all I can think about is the medallion in the lobby of the Guggenheim and how coincidental those two shapes are. Oh, I see. I just searched <laughs> for it. And- uh-huh. I'll be damned. Uh-huh. Come that? on. Now will you ever be able to unsee that? No. Well, I still I, this I think this is just a sketch or something here, but uh um I'll have to see your photo. I'll I will put the photos in the show notes for everybody to look at and all that other stuff. Okay. The only thing that okay, so the thing again, looking at it through the prism of a project manager. Every time I go and visit these, I'm just like, he's got to know that they do maintenance on these, right? Because you see buffer marks on these beautifully sweeping concrete ribs of, you know, at the um, Milwaukee Art Museum. Um, you know, you've got all these beautiful sweeping and, you know, gesturally there. It's a gorgeous building. Don't get me wrong. I mean, come on. I mean, Never these are these are. 
<laughs> all right, come on. If you're going to crap all over it, just stick with your story. No, no, no. I it's, mean, it's okay. again, it's they're they're beautiful and they're awe inspiring, and then they're functionally <laughs> up. <laughs> Because oh, a lot. Now I get it. <laughs> you have to edit that, but Jesus Christ! I mean, they're just. I mean, he knows that Americans clean things with buffers, right? And so you go down these like beautiful concrete sweeping things, and they're all chipped up because of the buffer. I mean, that's not that's not his fault, man. <laughs> what the, they're, they're the, cleaning the, it wrong. The, <laughs> He should have designed some bu- some new buffers then, because You're you know, yeah. don't hold the phone like that. Exactly, but I mean, you know, there's just like all these little chips and marks, and I mean, yes, we know that you know architecture ages and stuff, but a year, I mean, less than a year after it opens, you know, let's have a little bit of time before it gets all messed up. I I think we need to get everybody to. Uh pitch in to to buy you the Guggenheim bronze label pin. Ooh. It has that symbol on oh, the back side. Please of do. It. Yes. Nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a link in the show For notes. For the crusade. I think, I think this I think this needs to go on uh Cormick's uh gift ideas for for the end of the year. All Just right. something to re- him remind him of the Oculus of all So every time you see Cormick you'll have that lapel pin on and you can yeah strike up a convo about this. Now, now, if we want to start talking about like sighting of the Oculus and all of that other stuff, once the whole site gets built out, and then it's going to be crammed in between all of these buildings, and it's going to look like this weird little unequal giant comb thing. See, that's one of my favorite pictures that I took of this thing was just the contrast of it against the the glass boxes that it's up against. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, I loved, I loved the the reflection shots. Yeah, yeah um, that, that th- those were cool. Interesting. Yeah, but then what is it? Uh, two World Trade Center. Once that one gets built, yeah, right across. Yeah, where like those like shipping right, building is. Yeah. Yes, it's uh, it's 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 going to be a completely different feeling then. Well, and one thing that we heard when we were there was that all of the mechanical for this building got piggybacked on top of the. Um, the museum right across yeah. the the street it's not even doesn't even handle its own mechanical yeah really so they had yeah. to off they had to move all that over into snowheada's building so that it could yeah because it's just a huge volume it's a greenhouse right it's just right this big glass right. that's greenhouse true and so so that answers the question i had was like <laughs> where the hell is the mechanical how are they heating and cooling this building yeah that answers it across the street yeah yeah well <laughs> And then you then you have to ask the question of a lot of other things like how are they draining it? Basically, so basically it was designed for the rain to sheet down the glass walls to a series of drains. And when we yeah, were there, out under the benches, right there. Yeah, that come out to the benches, and then they daylight underneath your feet. They just sheet flow right down the and sidewalk. Then and well, no, and, really? and then they have another set of drains, probably about a five feet away Those are from. Probably just the, the overflows, though. Don't you think that the there's a storm drain that's hidden away? Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, just the overflows. Yeah, totally drench you if you're walking down there. Yeah. So what were we talking about? Uh, vacations. Ne- Neil's vacation. <laughs> vacation. Yeah. yeah. My my real simple. That was a hell of a tangent that we yeah. just went on there. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, 
No, my mine's not very exciting. We're just returning to Canada for a week. How is that not again, exciting? So. You're you're going to be on the lakeside camping. I mean, this is one of those things where we get to river, watch the actually. sunrise and the sunset every day because you yeah. post a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. We we typically get some pretty epic sunsets uh, up there uh, over the Ottawa River. So yeah, it's a special place and. Not much architecturally to to see. We tend not to go into Ottawa. It's about an hour drive away from where we're at. It's just a chance to get away. It's a real vacation right there. See, I'm doing a trip. I'm I'm not doing a vacation. Yeah, yeah. We we travel there one day, you know, overnight, red eye over, and we're there. We do a little bit of shopping. We fill up the kitchen of the cottage, and and then we just kind of hang out for a week, and that's all you do. Recharge the batteries, man. Sounds more like bliss, dude. Yeah, that's you know I haven't. Sound. I'm. I'm. I'm pulling a Cormac this year. I haven't taken any days off. I'm. I'm feeling it right now. I'm like, wow, we're like six months into the year, and I haven't really taken any time off, and and I think I I need it. Yeah. So I'm. I'm really kind of looking at the next three weeks as kind of just. If I just need to get through the next three weeks, yeah, right, right. <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, you just have this feeling like you're kind of burned out, and you just you need a chance to recharge the batteries a little bit. And a week's not much, but it's been a really busy year. Well, I think that's why we talk about this every year, right? This is yes, an that's important true. part yeah. of doing what we do is. You can't do what you do full time all the time. You have to recharge the batteries. The bonus is getting other experiences under your belt that you don't normally see. It's not your day to day. So you get to actually pay attention to those sunrises and sunsets and you get to watch your kids grow up and you get to be there and do all the things that you don't normally get to do. I mean, that that is a huge part of being good at what you do is is getting away from what you do so that you can recharge and do it. Right. And then it's just experiencing other places and seeing how, you know, even if it's just kind of a cursory thing, you know, just not really the ultimate goal of what you're doing on your vacation, but, you know, to, to see how other people live and interact yeah, with their own huge. built environment. I mean, you know, those are, those are things. I mean, I remember when you came back from New, your New York trip, Neil, and you yeah. know how, yeah. like, you were talking about how you could possibly integrate, or at least just the the way that you know what you saw and what you experienced kind of started to influence the way you were thinking about it, the project that you had at on hand at the time. Right. Right. You know, and, I and, think. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I th I think that. And Evan, you've talked about this before. Things can just kind of percolate in the back of your head. And, and when you get a chance to clear your head, you take that time off. Answers sort of come up out of nowhere. Yeah. Maybe? Subconscious. Yep. Right. Right. And so that's it's part of the reason you're right, Evan, that we, we do an episode like this to really kind of talk about that importance of taking some time off. And I think in my case, because I haven't really taken any time off. And I've been doing other things in addition to just the regular job, including, you know, this podcast. So it's time for a break. It really is. Yeah, I think whenever I hear of somebody who architecture is the number one priority all the time, that, that it's 
the gospel of architecture, I'm really suspect to those people who don't take time away and do other things. No, yeah. Who don't have a hobby or it's if if it's all architecture all the time, that's like <laughs> some kind of red flag. Red flags, right? Yeah. But we all know those people, don't we? Yeah. I mean, we we I I don't maybe I don't know those. Well, no, well, I do know those people, but we also know those people through friendships through social media as well and and I kind of wonder about them sometimes. Go ahead. Maybe that's just what we only see. Name names. But I don't know. <laughs> Not <laughs> well, <many> names. <laughs> I won't I won't name the name, but I will say that uh when I was in the, you know, my thesis year and my oldest son, who is I'm gonna be touring colleges with this year, um when he was born, um, you know, I was approached by one of the eat, breathe and sleep eat, sleep, and breathe, however you want to phrase it. Whichever dirt um, order you want. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Right. Uh, architects who said, basically, it kind of challenged me. That's like, you know what? I think you should probably, you know, maybe take some time off or drop out or something. Because I just don't think that you're going to be focused enough on architecture uh, now that you have your, you know, your son was born. Not it, it wasn't even, oh, congratulations, I heard your son was born. No, it was, I don't think that you're going to be, you know, mentally in it. So, of course, you know, I had to spend Whoa. the next, um, you know, next half year proving that <laughs> I, I can actually have, you know, stay home, you know, because my wife was working. She was, is and was a school teacher and she was teaching. So I was the one taking care of um, my son and, you know, take him into studio with me and, and all that other stuff. And. It was, you know, I was like, I'm going to prove to you that obviously you can have a life and be in architecture at the same time. I don't know if he's ever actually stopped. You know, I, I lost track of him, um, but I don't, the, for a few years after uh, graduation, I, I still, I had kept in touch with him. And he was pretty much the same way. It's just the eat, sleep and breathe architecture. And I'm just like, that's not healthy. That's not right. You need to. Even if you are looking at architecture, you know, get out, experience it, you know, experience other things and do other things. And, uh, yeah, so I knew one of those people. Well, that's one of the things that's kind of the downside of going to these big architecture conference, right, is all the architects that are there. So I <laughs> I think that's one of the yeah. driving forces behind me wanting to get out and go see all the things that are in the city that it's at instead of hanging out talking to architects. Yeah. Because I do that every day. I mean, yeah, it's other architects. It's the ones I don't talk to every day. But um, believe me, I do love p catching up with people. But it's not the reason that I'm there. So it's, it's just one of the side things. It's not the, the most desirable thing to live in architecture all the time. Some of the fun things about like the conferences and past that we've gone to together, that all three of us are there, the thing that I kind of enjoy is experiencing, you know, like when we were in Philly. So I've, I go to Philly a lot. Um, but to experience Philly with you guys and kind of get to see how you guys are interacting and seeing Philly either for the first time or maybe not necessarily the first time, but differently. That's what I kind of liked about it is that, you know, you get a chance to like meet up with your friends and just 
view the world a little bit differently and, you know, talk about it a little bit more and, and just kind of have that Arca speak for a little while. <laughs> Personal Arca speak. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's something to what you're saying, too, about just going and doing the the same vacation like you do, Neil. I don't know how many years in a row you've done this, but there's something to revisiting a place that's not your normal stomping grounds over and over again. And you really do get to kind of watch how people live and observe that. And it's kind of neat, you know, or even just, just reconnecting with your family in a more personal level. That's not the day-to-day rush because we're always so busy and, and in a hurry to do stuff. And you're, you're not so much when you're, so you, you let your guard down and, and in a good way, you know, you get to, you get to just kind of hang out and not have that threat of the time being met and the time being kept the every moment of the day that you normally have. Right. It is a, a nice break from the day to day and you do get to experience your family and your surroundings a little bit differently. So I'm looking forward to it. Cool. So we want to know where you're going this summer. Make sure you get in touch with us, talk to us on the socials and uh, let us know. Yeah. Before we go, we want to remind everybody that this episode has been brought to you by Arcat, and the music is by System Kid. You can subscribe to Arcaspeak on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow the show on social media, as I mentioned, on Twitter or Facebook. And links to all of these can be found over at ArcaspeakPodcast.com. So have a great summer, everyone. We will be back soon, so we're not going away. We will continue to have episodes, and stay subscribed, and thanks for listening, everyone. Have the travels. All of the travels.
Okay.